On today's Judd's Napa Valley show, we're going to get some perspective on Bottle Rock, the biggest event that Napa Valley's ever seen, just wrapped up here, five-day music festival. And we'll find out from one of the food world's most highly regarded chefs, Ken Frank of Latoque here in Napa, what it's like to cook for 100,000 people. Uh, in the second half of the show, my guest is the master of local seafood, Mike Weinberg-Lynn, the proprietor of what Chef Greg Cole calls a clean, well-lighted place for fish, Osprey Seafood, also here in Napa. And in the meantime, come visit us. Think about it. We'd love to see you. We'll show you a good time here at Judd's Hill. Visiting information can be found at www.juddshill.com. While you're there, look around. Check out some of our fun videos, Wine Booty, Judd's Enormous Wine Show. See what wines are available. And if you'd like some Pinot Noir, I'd be happy to send you some at a bit of a deal. For all my listeners, type in JNVS, that stands for Judd's Napa Valley Show, JNVS at checkout, and I'll give you 10% off any Pinot Noir order that you might like. Of course, if you're a Judd's Hill Wine Club member, I'll give you a better deal on all wines, and there's no expiration date on that. Oh, did I mention the Pinot deal for listeners is only good through the end of May 2013? But if you're a wine club member, the deals never end. If you're not a wine club member, join. There's no cost to join. You'll get wine, you'll get events, parties, dinners, all kinds of great fun. We'll look forward to having you as a member. We'll look forward to seeing you at Judd's Hill here in the beautiful Napa Valley. Now enjoy the show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, John Finkelstein. Thank you very much, Lauren Mole. Top it's of the day, Judd. Top of the day. It is a beautiful day here in Napa Valley, and I say this almost every week. That's a redundant statement. I think every every single day, no matter what the weather is, is a beautiful day, but today is a gorgeous spring, sunny, warm day. If you're not out and about, get out and about. You locals, take advantage of the Napa Valley Vintners Association's uh, Napa Neighbors program. That means you can go to any of the wineries that participate, taste most of them for free or have other specials. You can go to NapaVintners.com, click on the Napa Neighbors link, and you'll see which wineries participate and what their offers are. And they've just got some great, great deals going on for locals. So it's a beautiful day to get out, do a little wine tasting, explore what's happening. And while you're out, eat something. Today we're going to be talking food. And um, our guest for the first half of the show is a world-renowned chef. Michelin star, all that good stuff. It goes on and on, but I don't have time. He's only here for a little bit, so we're going to get right to it. And we're not even going to talk about most of that. We're going to, well, Lauren, give him an introduction, and then we'll talk about what we're going to talk about. Sure, John. He's the dude who makes the food to put you in the mood of fine Napa attitude, Chef Ken Frank. Good morning, Chef Ken Frank from Latoke is with us here today. Happy to be here. Great. Thanks for joining us. You have just come off. Bottle Rock. This is the biggest thing to hit Napa probably ever. There were tens of thousands, 35 to 40,000 people came to town for this multi-day music festival, and you 
You fed them. Uh, in fact, they're they're saying that there were over a hundred thousand mm. people uh, over the three days. A hundred thousand? Yeah. So it was, it was very impressive. Certainly, Friday <laughs> and Saturday uh, ramped up a lot from Thursday, and Sunday was about the same crowd. But it was a it was a good crowd. Uh, it was the right kind of crowd to come see a show. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was a peaceful, happy crowd. Oh, that's good. The lineup offered a little bit of something for everyone. Whether you wanted country, whether you wanted classic rock, whether you wanted some, you know, blues or R and B. It was really there's a little old punk there too. There's, it was really oh, eclectic. There's some bad religion. I mean, there was Mavis yeah. Staples, Charlie <laughs> Musselwhite. I mean, Jackson Brown, Jane's Addiction was awesome. The Black Crows. My personal favorite yeah. of the whole made my weekend. Yeah. I mean, I knew the Alabama shakes were good. Yeah. Damn, she's good. Wow. It was amazing. She just exudes such great soul from every pore in her body, and she's a great player. I mean, she's she's really good. So did you get out from the kitchen to go check them out? I could see from right where we were. Oh, really? You had a good seat there. Well, the way the way the site was laid out, there was lots of good viewing available. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you had a VIP pass, you could get up really close, and they had elevated viewing stations. But th- there was it was easy to see really anywhere, and they had big screens. The production values were really first class. Uh, the sound was awesome, uh, very well done. Uh, I had a great time. I saw just about everybody. Wow, that, so- that sounds fantastic. And you got to do what you do in the midst of this incredible music scene. So on a, on a busy night at Latoque, how many folks are you serving? Oh, on a busy night at Latoque, we might do 125 dinners. 125 dinners, okay. And let's, uh, let's fast forward now to Bottle Rock. How many folks were you serving at Bottle Rock? Well, we did our famous chopped salad, mm-hmm. which is on the menu in Bank Cafe and Bar, so I can have it for lunch. Right. But I figured it'd be a great dish to do outdoors at a festival. Didn't have to cook anything, so we didn't have open flame. Have to worry about that because the fire department had some real concerns that I think I ultimately imagine. handled pretty well. Uh, we knew it would be hot. We didn't want to deal with raw protein, uh, so we made our great chopped salad. Yeah, we can delicious. make it vegan. We can make it vegetarian. We can make it carnivore. So it was a really good choice. But then we had to do the math. <laughs> okay. So if there's twenty thousand people coming on Friday. And you're you're one of 35 restaurants. You can estimate you're going to do X number of salads. All of a sudden, you're going, wow. So we we put together a spreadsheet for the weekend with uh, with the crowd predictions. It proved to be pretty close. We made 77 gallons of extra virgin olive oil dressing. 77 gallons. Yeah. Now, 90- I'm thinking in, in our winery, you know, over Judd's Hill, uh, let's see, a barrel of wine is 59 gallons. Oh, yeah. Those are big. It's, it's a lot. It's a 77 it, gallons. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's 12 pounds of chopped shallots. <laughs> it took two hours to chop the herbs. Oh, my goodness. You know, we had, we ordered 232 pounds of Framani's Salami Toscana, because that's how much we figured we'd need for the ones that people wanted carnivore style. Right, right. 94 pounds of Fiscalini cheddar. Oh, my goodness. It's, it, 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 the scale is massive, and, and you can't just guess. I mean, in a restaurant, you know what you need for a busy night. You're going to do 100 people. You're going to do 200 people, 300 people. Mm-hmm. You figure it out. Okay, we're going to need to order you know, four of these, five of those. Now, when you're talking thousands, you need a spreadsheet. It's just incredible. I mean, it boggles my mind to think of serving that many folks. And uh, did you run out? Was was there 
No, Did you have enough? We, we had enough every day. We finished up about 8.30 every night, which is about when we were anticipating. That's when the main act goes on. That's when most people have really eaten. Um, and, and that's when most restaurants were wrapping up. Uh, you know, and that just gave us a chance to get back to the store, you know, confirm the numbers for tomorrow, right. leave a prep list, uh, and get back at 6.37 in the morning to reload for the next day. I mean, all, all the restaurants were keeping backup supplies, and we had three full-length refrigerated trucks. Plus, we all had refrigerators in our booths. I mean, it was 15 cases of romaine lettuce. Wow. You know, 24 boxes of radicchio, eight boxes of cucumbers, you know, five flats of cherry tomatoes at a time. It's, yeah, that it's a lot even, of stuff. The scale doesn't even make sense to me. And are you working around the clock? I mean, it sounds like this is a never-ending never ending chore of just chopping and mixing and dressing and serving. And Pretty much we worked in shifts. Um, so we always had six or seven people working. We always had two or three people resting yeah. and checking out the show, which is, which is part of part of how you do these things. One of the perks. You can only work 15 hours a day if you're excited to be there. (laughs) And one of the reasons you're excited to be there is if you get to go watch Jane's Addiction. Right, right. No, super cool. Super cool. What, um, I mean, what made you want to participate? I mean, you knew this was going to be a huge undertaking. So what was it that you thought, yes, yes, I'm going to do this? Well, first of all, I've always been a huge music fan. Yeah. You know, I've been working nights since I was 16 years old. All right. That means I don't see a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I work at night. But I've always loved music, uh, and my best customers in Los Angeles on Sunset Strip was I had a great clientele from the music business. And what I really liked about musicians versus movie stars is musicians tend to be very, very, very motivated. They do something they really love, and most of them would do it for no money. They put an amazing amount of effort into practicing and honing their craft until they really become great artists. They develop their talent, they work hard, and they travel. And they travel all the time. And they travel around the world all the time. And they go to really interesting places and meet interesting people and eat interesting food. And they love to eat. And they love good wine. Much more than movie stars that are worried about what they look like. Oh, yeah. And are afraid of fat and salt and dairy and think food is the enemy. Musicians love to eat. And when they're traveling, a lot of times they don't get to eat well. Mm -hmm. And when they can, they love to eat well. Right. So I've always had a lot of friends in the music business and a couple of them come played this weekend. And I saw this as a really great opportunity to showcase something that's really special about what we have here in Napa Valley. I mean, you can pay these guys lots of money to fly their private jet anywhere you want, and they'll play for you. Right. But you can only throw this party with food and wine here in Napa Valley. And I think it was something that was really embraced by a lot of people in Napa Valley. I mean, to have these guys come here and play for us in our backyard, what a great opportunity. I think it was huge. It was so exciting to have these big names coming to Napa to play music. But then I think for the folks attending, um, and especially for those who came from out of town, what you just mentioned, we can only have this event in Napa Valley. I have been to some other big concerts in the past, and, um, you know, you, you get a, a hot dog if you're lucky. You get a breaded chicken patty on a bun, and, and there's lunch. But here there's there's Ken Frank from Latoke, and he's making your dinner. Um, there's There was uh, all these famous Napa Valley restaurants, and that was the festival food. I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine because I'm getting excited just thinking about it's it. Pretty, it's and pretty it's, cool when you go to a rock concert and you've got a dish from Zuzu 
You know, you've got a dish from Minotri. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a pizza from Kamomi. Uh, you've got my chopped salad. Uh, you've got some great barbecue. Uh, you've got, you know, sushi from Morimoto. Right. You're at a rock concert, and, and, and wow. It's incredible. You come to Napa Valley for a huge festival, and you're eating Napa Valley cuisine. Right. It was, it was, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, very cool. So did you find any, uh, were there any surprises for you on how this all went down? I think the biggest surprise was actually how smoothly it did go down for a first year. Oh, that's a good I surprise. Mean, certainly there were hiccups and you know, the, the entry, re-entry thing or not, which they addressed quickly on Friday. And there was, a lot of, there was a lot of apprehension because people realized immediately, wow, this is going to be big. We're going to get killed. Right. But there was an, a, a lot of really smart planning went into it. Uh, traffic was ugly during the concert, right at the site, but only. The parking shuttles and the, the way they had the buses running and the way they had everybody figured out w- was almost too easy. They really did a great job of figuring out how to move that many people around. And, you know, 35,000, 40,000 people, that's, that's like going to a Giants game or going to a 49ers game. There's going to be traffic. It's you know, you're, everybody's going to crowd over the bridge. And so you, you have to plan for these things. And uh, they did a very good job of handling it. I don't think it, I, I think that a lot of people's worst fears um, were, were very well dealt with. Uh, downtown was hop until 1.30 in the morning. Um, Folks hotel, were leaving. Hotels were full. Restaurants did well. Uh, the crowd would, you know, part of the deal also was that it was an expensive enough, expensive enough ticket, so we drew a really nice crowd. Everybody there had some skin in the game. Right, right. You know, took good care of each other. And there's also the fact, I think, that music just has a good influence on people. It's hard to be angry when you're watching a great show. <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. And again, with that eclectic lineup, I mean, that was something to please everybody, so... Folks were, I'm sure, happy the whole time. If you didn't like what you were seeing in front of you, there were two other stages. Yeah, two other stages at all times. Yeah, which is so cool. And I love the fact that they had some local groups as well. You know, it wasn't just these big names from around the country. It was a Napa festival with Napa food, and there were some Napa bands. And they, and they also had some bands that I'd, I'd maybe heard of. I knew the name, but I had no idea what their music was. Friday, there was a band called AVO that was just fantastic. I, I'd never heard of them. They played a great set. Vintage Trouble. Oh, I heard Every, great things about this. Oh, set. my God. Everybody was super impressed. I mean, I'd seen the name before, but I didn't know what to expect. He tore it up. Yeah. He was awesome. Oh, man. Well, I, I've, I've got to check them out. As I mentioned earlier, I actually did not attend Bottle Rock, and that's solely because of me and my strange idiosyncrasies. I just don't do well. As much as I love being social, uh, I don't do well in big crowds. And... Um, to me, that just wasn't the place for me. I, I could have gone and loved the music. I, I love live music. I do love concerts, but more in a more of a club, small theater setting for me and my personal comfort level. But um, I know I would have gone. I would have enjoyed the music, but I probably would have just felt really nervous and on, on edge the whole time. But who knows? Maybe next year, after hearing all these glowing reports, I'll just I'll brave it and head out. Who knows? You'd do it again, I imagine. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. You know, I, I, I think it's great for Napa. Um, I think everybody had a really good time. I think for a first year, it was amazingly successful. Uh, I know people are already hard at work figuring out how to do things better and how to learn from the experience this year to really, that we, we have an opportunity to make this into one of the country's very best music festivals that people will want 
to visit Napa Valley for, that Napa Valley will be known for. Uh, the way we do things, uh, the opportunities that we have with food and wine to share our little corner of paradise with a lot of people at the same time is, is, is pretty special. Well, it doesn't take a lot of arm twisting to get people to come to Napa to begin with. In fact, it doesn't. I mean, it's a, it's a great adult playground. Uh, it's a beautiful place to visit. Uh, and we all have a lot to be proud of. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And to be proud of also, this wasn't just a festival to make money and make people, you know, the, the concert goers happy. This really had some nice beneficiaries, too. It's you a know, long list. It's a long list. I'm looking at this list, you know, a, a couple, you know, Land Trust of Napa County was a beneficiary, Napa Valley Youth Symphony, um, different cancer foundations. I mean, it goes on and on, which is which is fantastic. So not only was it making folks happy through music and getting them excited, it was doing some good for the community as well. And, and on behalf of the community, as a member of this here community, I thank you, Chef Kim Frank, for being a part of it and helping raise the money. Um, through Bottle Rock. Hey, you've got a couple minutes here before I know you've got a split, but what's going on with Latoque? Tell me what's happening over there, bank. What well, are the happenings? Uh, we're having another great year. Yeah. Uh, fully into spring now, so we've got morel mushrooms, we've got ramps. Uh, the, the gardens got off to a great early start this year. We have tomatoes on the vines now, but they're, oh, they're still small and green, but it, it looks to be a really good year for gardening. Fantastic. Uh, it looks to be also a really great year for stone fruit. Ooh, you know, yeah. th- it, we're very, very lucky in a year when you don't get rain or hail at the wrong time and you get a right. good fruit set out um, just east of us in winters. And so we're looking at a stone fruit parade at the farmer's market pretty soon. That's oh, going to be the favorite. best, I think, in years. Uh, the early cherries aren't quite ready yet, but maybe by next week. And then we'll go into apricots and then you get into peaches and plums. Uh, we should have... oh some of my favorite things of the year. So the, I'm looking yeah. forward to a really great uh, parade of stone fruit probably through August, one of my favorite things. I mean, there's are few things better in life than a perfect peach picked at the peak of ripeness, oh, you know, I'm allowed to finish up so it, it just, you eat it over the sink and it drips. And I'm, <laughs> I'm just salivating already waiting. It's probably six weeks out, but I can't wait. I love that enthusiasm. To me too, that is summer. That is summer in one bite is the fresh, ripe peach. That, also a little uh, tomato and basil together, those are the, the smells and the tastes and the feels of summer yeah, to me. The, the tomatoes out of Southern California and Mexico are coming around now. Yeah. But the tomatoes that we'll pick here in our backyard starting late June, early July. Yeah, we're and still then, in May now. Oh, we got time. That's, that's, that's a whole other level of tomato goodness. Mm. And are you working the gardens, the old Copia gardens still? Is that your playground? Uh, there's... Currently, there are uh, nine Napa restaurants that are cultivating uh, the uh, gardens at what we now call 500 First Street. Okay. Uh, it's a pretty impressive operation. Uh, we added a couple new partners last year. Uh, Fagiani's and the, and the Thomas uh, came in. Uh, Carpe Diem came in. Of course, uh, Anotri has long been a backbone of the garden, uh, along with Zuzu. Uh, now, is it kitchen a co-op? Door came in. Or, oh, Kitchen Door, it's, too. They've always it's, got good stuff. It's, or do you, do you farm a, your own plot? How does that work? Everybody, it's sort of a co-op. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own space. The deal is they keep the water on and provide security. We, the deal is we take care of it. We provide all the labor. We keep it organic, and okay. we do all the work. And it is a lot of work. I mean, we've, we've invested an enormous amount of time and money in those gardens. And uh, we're looking forward to being able to do another series of garden dinners this summer. 
Uh, we, we built a beautiful 60-seat community table that has a big ice bucket down the middle of it. <laughs> so 60 people can sit at one table and all share bottles of wine. Right there in the garden. Right there at the very south end of the garden. It's an overlook in the oxbow of the river. It's a really beautiful site. And how do folks find out about that? Uh, your we're gonna, website we'll, we'll have a uh, website, a, a Facebook page set up for it, and we're looking to, do, uh, to run it through Eventbrite. But uh, we're looking at a pretty exciting calendar of little uh, dinners in the garden starting this summer. Oh, it sounds uh, so great. When the days get a little bit longer and gets a little bit warmer, we're just about there. Well, keep me in the loop so I can let folks know and, and so I can know I want to come too. This sounds fantastic. And besides great food, which you're known around the world for there at Latoque, the cocktail program at your bank bar you know, is really getting some renown as well. Well, what... What's interesting is the world of cocktails in the last five, six years has was changing, but wow, it's really changed. You know, and people have recognized that just like everything else you do, whether you're making wine or cooking food, the quality you gotta put quality in to get quality out. Right. And so first we started seeing, you know, bartenders seeking out the very best ingredients, the very best. You don't want tonic from a gun. <laughs> tonic isn't cheap soda. Tonic, there are lots of different kinds of tonic. Oh, sure. You know, you've got fans of Fever Tree, which is really good. You've got fans of Fentimans, which is really good. It's my favorite. Uh, so bartenders started seeking out really top ingredients, good bitters, good mixers, and then they started making their own. Right. And bartenders and chefs started working on spice combinations and... Uh, and pairings, and we now make some of our own ginger beer, our own sodas. We make some shrubs. Uh, we make a number of different um, savory uh, extracts and things that we put into some very exciting drinks. Uh, and then we also have fun, and we do kind of modern things, like we have a, a awesome margarita we call Julio in the Clouds. Yeah, and we use I haven't seen that one. Really good Don Julio tequila, Ooh. the 70th anniversary. And we make a foam with Grand Marnier, so we use a little molecular gastronomy. Oh, yeah. So That's we don't nice. we float a cloud of Grand Marnier foam <laughs> on top of the of the margarita, and it's it's pretty cool. It looks as good as it tastes. Well, I knew you I knew you had something going on. Well, I've known the drinks that have been good there for some time, but I knew you really had somebody taking it seriously when I was talking to Bobby Bobby yeah. Eatman, who's over there at your bar, and um, you know I'm very into the tiki culture and tropical cocktails. And I often judge a bar by the Mai Tai. And I got to talking to Bobby, and I said, tell me, do you make a Mai Tai? And he said, why, yes, I do. And he told me how he does it, and it was, you know, just about the original Trader Vic recipe. And we started talking history. He has studied up. He approaches it from an academic standpoint and from a very creative standpoint. And uh, he, to me, has, has become, in my book, and I am a bit of a cocktail snob, one of the best mixologists here oh, in Napa he Valley, has, and I'm always happy sitting down at Bank. He has obsessive fanatic uh, bartender disorder. It's fantastic. It's a good thing. Don't, don't seek treatment for that. No. <laughs> Keep it going. And uh, tomorrow night, in fact, you guys are doing... Foam. Foam. Friends of Ardent Mixology. This is Napa Valley's Cocktail Appreciation Guild. Tomorrow night, Wednesday, May 15th at 7 p.m. And this is open to the public. It is being put on as a way to showcase uh, fine cocktails in Napa Valley and how they can be paired with food. It's happening at Bank at the Westin Verasa. Um, Bobby Eatman is doing the drinks. Chef Ken Frank overseeing the food. And uh, let's see. If you would like to come, it starts at 7 p.m. at Bank for $20 a person. This is a great deal. I can't believe it. Two drinks. 
two and two, two dishes. Two small drinks and two small dishes. Okay. Yeah. So two two clever little pairings. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Reservations highly recommended. Again, it's at Bank um, at the Westin tomorrow night, Wednesday, May fifteenth, seven p.m. And the phone number to make your reservations two five seven five one five one. So seven zero seven two five seven five one. Five one. Tell them you want in on the cocktail and food pairing. 7 p.m. Wednesday night. I just can't think of a better thing to do or place to be. Looking forward to it. Chef Ken Frank, thanks so much for coming in, being a guest here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. I want to have you back in when there's a little bit more time. We can talk more about what you're up to. We can get into the whole foie gras debate as well and uh, have some fun with that. Love to come back. All right. Thanks so much. We will be right back after this. And now, back to Judd's Napa Valley Show with me, announcer Lauren Mole, and your host, Judd Fingleside. Thank you, Lauren Mole. Always a pleasure to have you here. We are going to get into the fascinating world of seafood here in Napa Valley. Would you like to introduce our guest? Sure, Judd. Any fish you wish, he gets on your dish. And it's always delish. Mike Weinberg Lynn. Hey, Mike, are you there? I'm here, Judd, and that was terrific. What an introduction. Right. Thank, you. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> that was great. That's our in-studio announcer, Mr. Lauren Mole. He is certainly the professional here in the studio, for those of you who heard my little glitch a few m- moments ago. <laughs> He's the one that keeps things on track here for me. Uh, well, that was great. I, I got to tell you, that to be introduced that way, I got to write that one down. And from now on, when I enter a room... That's how I want to go in. Write that down, and then, you know, I'll put in a little plug. Uh, This is being recorded, and all of these episodes can be found via the uh, Apple iTunes store at JudsNapaValleyShow.com. So, Mike, when this is over, uh, in a couple days, we'll post it. You can go download it, and then you can um, extract that clip and bring it around with you. And you can actually hold that up to a microphone and have Lauren introduce you wherever you go. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So, So Napa Valley, of course, is a world destination for cuisine. You know, not only wine, but for food as well. Uh, Some of the greatest restaurants in the entire world are here in Napa Valley. And so the quality has to be at the utmost. And seafood is always a favorite. And you are the dude who really supplies the great, great seafood that many of the top-tier restaurants in Napa Valley serves here. I, well, thank you, and you're right on all accounts. <laughs> well, for once in my life. <laughs> well, let's not go there. Uh, but, no, it, it is an amazing place, uh, the Napa Valley, and we've been selling the seafood up in the Napa Valley for uh, over 30 years, and um, to watch its evolution uh, has been absolutely amazing, uh, the quality of restaurants that's occurred um, over time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, you know, 30 years ago, I remember if it was a, a birthday or anniversary and the, the folks wanted to go out somewhere fancy, there was really only one or two places that that fit the bill. You know, there was a restaurant at Domain Chandon, uh-huh. and there was um, one or two places up Valley that aren't there anymore. There wasn't the abundance of these, you know, James Beard award-winning Michelin star, on and on and on restaurants that we have now, and no. it's it's pretty exciting to see where the the culinary world has gone here in the valley. It, it, it has been amazing to watch. In fact, uh, my first uh, our Osprey's first trip up and my first trip up into the Napa Valley 
was, um, I believe it was George's, um, St. George's Hotel up in um, St. Helena. Yeah, St. George, where uh, Trevinia is now. Where Trevinia is now, yes. And, um, you know, back then it was a clear shot. Highway 29 had no traffic. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the days. (laughs) And and it was a clear shot. And I remember coming back from that first trip. um, So it was 30 years ago because I've been doing this for 30 years. And at the time, I was not the owner of the company. And this, by the way, I'm not sure I properly introduced you. Yeah, I introduced you as the seafood merchant, but Osprey Seafood is your is your company here in Napa. It, it, it is my baby. Okay, so you were not the proprietor. How did you – tell me your story. How did you oh, get into this? Well, uh, how I get into it. <laughs> this is a good one. Well, I, I have a degree of uh, physiological psychology from uh, University of California, Santa Barbara, uh-huh. uh, which uh, I got in 82, I believe. Yeah, 82. Um, and I, I loved uh, the study of the brain. Um, we moved from Santa Barbara, we being my new wife and I, moved from Santa Barbara up to San Francisco. And, uh, in fact, uh, we moved up. That was our honeymoon Was trip he... up. Oh, okay. Yes, so we were newly married, and um, I started looking for jobs in the industry um, in the in the you know any kind of lab I could find at the time on the peninsula, and um, I, there was a hiring freeze, so I couldn't get a job anywhere. You know, newly out of college and uh, have my degree. We're living in the Haight Ashbury, uh, Haight and Cole, and I can't get a job anywhere. So we're basically selling back wedding presents to make rent. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, and we love to tell the kids this, you know. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, and it was the year of the walk. So we had, like, 12 walks. So we made a lot of money selling walks back. <laughs> um, and anyway, so long story short, or short story long, I haven't figured it out yet. Go ahead, um, we got time. Make a short story long. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, there was a neighbor living in the Haight-Ashbury who we never really met, but he, oh, right next to me, always noises all night long and at weird hours and we couldn't figure out who he was and what what was going on but man they kept odd hours so one day there's a knock on my door and remind you this is a hate ashbury in the 80s and i open the door and there's this long-haired red-headed guy and he says i need can i climb through your window <laughs> of course <laughs> i'm like uh no and i go to shut the door and he puts his foot he goes no no i'm your neighbor and I lock myself out, and I need to climb through your window to climb through my window to get in my apartment. Okay. And, um, so I'm like, all right. So I'm talking to him as he's climbing through my window. And he says, oh, yeah, I got the seafood shop right across the street. And I'm like, you got a job, anything? And he goes, yeah, yeah, come on by tomorrow. So, And uh, that was Osprey Seafood. Uh, he, the long-haired, uh, red-headed gentleman was Peter Bird. Yeah. And he grew up in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and he moved out to San Francisco with his best buddy to, you know, just enjoy the scene. Well, his best buddy uh, could not stand San Francisco. Peter loved it. His friend Al couldn't stand it. So Al went back to Narragansett, and they came to this agreement, look, I'll buy fish for you, and I'll ship it across the U.S., and you could sell it to these restaurants. Okay. So this is 1977 when he starts this. So now you fast forward to 82, and I'm talking to this Peter, 
and who's just I, broken into your apartment, which has pretty much broken, only to break out of the apartment. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> well, San Francisco, expect the unexpected. You know, and and, and definitely in the Haight Ashbury. Right. Uh, so you know, I go next door the next day for start driving a, a van for this fish company, Osprey Seafood, for five dollars an hour. And um, like I said, it, it was a kick. I was having the time of my life. Really? Was yeah. it the was it the driving, or was it well, learning about the fish business, or visiting restaurants? What it was it it was the early '80s. The uh, food scene in San Francisco was just starting to really get going, mm-hmm. and it was vibrant. Uh, no two days were the same. Uh, I loved playing with the fish, um, or I'm sorry, handling the fish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, um, and, and so I, it just, I would start early in the morning, work hard, play with fish all day, get home by, you know, noon, 1 o'clock, and able to spend time with my wife and my soon-to-be child or child then and, and raise a family, but was home in the afternoons. Wow, really fit your lifestyle. Yeah, it, it was perfect. So after about two years of uh, me working for $5 an hour driving a truck, uh, Peter comes up and he says, hey, you want to be a partner? Wow. And I said, great. What does that entail? How come me? And he says, because you show up to work every day. <laughs> <laughs> Low expectations. I love them. Yeah, well, good for you. <laughs> Having a good work ethic paid off. Uh, you know, it did. And I said, sure. So, uh, you know, we, we uh, took care of that. And then about uh, three years after that, Peter got sick. Mm. Um, he picked up the disease running through San Francisco at the time, mm. and uh, he uh, got AIDS and passed away in 92, but he, I think he stopped working in about 1987, um, so I bought him out in 88, and it's been uh, mine ever since. So, And I have a partner now. My, my little brother joined us uh, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and he's Partner. Well, that's nice. It keeps it keeps it a family business. Keeps it in the family business. But uh, a little side story to this whole thing, which I think is a funny story, um, is uh, after about six months of working in the in the business and loving it, the uh, hiring freeze came off in my field, and I started getting calls from all sorts of labs and everything. And I went on many job interviews, and I was even offered a couple of jobs, and I was like. No, I just like my hours here. I like what I do, and eh, that's good. Unfortunately, one of the companies I said no to was Genentech in oh. 83. <laughs> yeah, not a bright move. <laughs> yeah, but look at you now. You are the you are the king of the seafood business here in the in the Bay Area in Napa Valley. Well, you're you're too kind. You wouldn't have been there if you'd gone with Genentech. You know, it, you know, I just would be retired, enjoying myself on a beach somewhere. No, I love. Yeah, but who wants that? <laughs> You're the king of the seafood. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you, you know this. It, it is such a fascinating business we're in, uh, and I put us side by side. Um, where it's, I, you know, I love. I've been doing it for thirty years. Yeah. You know, and I love coming to work. That's wonderful. What more could you ask for? Yeah. You know, you love what you do. You love love who you do it with. You've seen this business go from, like I said, the Napa Valley up to the, uh, my first trip up there and, and then watching the evolution to where it is now. Um, I, it's fantastic. And uh, I remember that first trip home from uh, from Napa, and I told uh, Peter, 
I said, we have to go up there on a regular basis. That is the prettiest place I've ever seen in my life. Is that what made you open the store here and then have a, have a base here in Napa? Well, I mean, What brought you up this way from San Francisco? That was part of it. Um, the other part was the Napa feel. Or, um, and, I, and I relate uh, the way Napa was back then. And it's changed a little bit later in the 90s. And it's kind of returning to the same attitude now. Um, it was more like uh, a major league baseball franchise. In other words, you've got all these restaurants who compete with each other, but they have to work together to bring people up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a heck of a lot of camaraderie going on between restaurants. And, you know, you would go during the winter, you would go to a restaurant, say Trilogy, and you'd be sitting there and there would be people from other restaurants eating there to help keep them in business during the slow time. Isn't that nice? Yeah, and you know, or you know, a restaurant would get hit uh, by a rush in the in the afternoon and not have enough, say, crab meat to get through the night. So they would go next door and borrow from another restaurant. I think that really sums up the feel of Napa Valley. It's what it's certainly what brought me back here after uh, years away. You know, I I went to work. My degree's in television production, and I went to work down in the film industry in Southern California, and it was that maybe my skin wasn't thick enough and maybe it was right. the pace of life, but really the camaraderie, the down to earth groundedness of people here in the Valley throughout the business community and socially uh, it was so, it was so appealing that I, I, I couldn't stay away. And that's a big part of it. If someone's in trouble, even if you're in the same business and, you know, technically competitors, the lending hand is always there. Yeah. And, and I, I have never seen that anywhere else. Um, I've tried to, you know, we deliver in San Francisco, out in the East Bay, Berkeley, all that. I've never seen that kind of, um, of attitude. Um, and it really got to the point where it was one big family, you know. And sure, there are brothers and sisters that don't like each other. Well. But they need each other. That's family dynamic, but that's they need each other, dynamics. right? family and, dynamics. Um, and I think that pr- probably was about the mid-90s when I realized um, I like Napa uh, as far as uh, a place to set up a retail um, for several reasons. A, mm-hmm. I, again, the attitude. And B, um, it's an extremely unpredictable area uh, in the sense that the minute the sun comes out, people from San Francisco are heading up there. People from the East Bay are going to Napa. So a restaurant who has planned his day out uh, is all of a sudden a lot busier than they expected. And so they were going to need fish in the afternoons. Oh, yeah. And Good opportunity so my for attitude or actually originally was I want to have a place where they can come by and pick up enough to get them through the evening. And seeing as I'm doing that, I'll put up a retail case so I can display our wares. Yeah, open a store. Right. And, um, you know, it's been a wonderful. We have been well received by uh, the Napa as a whole. It's been a fantastic trip. Um, just a great place. I, I, I've never regretted opening it. And we actually opened our doors. I bought the place um, one month after 9/11, which again tells you my business acumen. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Not a great time. You know, it wasn't. It was 9/11. There was a little slowdown in the economy at the time as well. Yeah. Yep, but, uh, you know, we opened up a year later, or six months later, and, and uh, it's been a fantastic trip the whole time. I love doing business with the, 
the restaurants and then making the transition into the retail end of it uh, has been magnificent. And the store is located uh, in North Napa on Solano Avenue at Wine Country. Yes, right uh, off Highway 29. Right off Highway 29 in front of the ranch market there. Yes. And you're open, is it six, five or six days a week? We're open six days a week, closed on Monday. Closed Monday. Yes, uh, uh, and we open every day at 10 o'clock, and we're, we go to 7 at night, except for Sundays we shut it down at 6. Well, as a consumer, I certainly appreciate you being there. I love cookbooks. I love cooking. And as I you know, pour through these books that I have, I'm always looking for something new to try. And... You know, there's, there's, it always calls for some strange fish that I yeah. maybe had never heard of. Um, and these are restaurant cookbooks. You know that they're getting these special deliveries of things that are not available in most seafood cases at grocery stores. And I have come in on several occasions to Osprey, located on Solano Avenue at Wine Country, just off Highway 29 in North Napa. And thanks. <laughs> and I'll say, you know, I'm making this dish for dinner. The recipe calls for this type of fish, but what would you recommend as a substitute? And without fail, I don't think this ever happened where they, where they haven't said, oh, we have that fish. Right. Well, <laughs> it's not out in the case right now. It's normally we deliver it to restaurants, but we have it. And it's great because you're the supplier. You have everything. Well, and, and that's kind of the part that when, I, and I still to this day um, has been the attitude of, I'm, I'm a wholesaler first. I deal with restaurants first. As, as a retailer, I'm not as adept at that. So I'm thinking for the restaurants when I, you know, when, so everything up in Napa, out of the case and everything, are, is the exact same fish that went to the restaurants today. Right. The exact same fish. And I try to keep our costs at about the same level that they're paying. Is that so, right? Yeah. So the, the, my attitude is, you know, I, fish shouldn't be so ridiculous. It is still expensive. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the regulations and what's happened to our industry over the years, um, which is another half-hour show. Right, right. Um, which Get into I that another time. Uh, you supply the wine, and I'll, I'll supply <laughs> the stories. How's that, Judd? <laughs> and the fish. Love your wine. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but I, my attitude has always been it should be for everybody shouldn't be an elitist type of thing even though it's restaurant quality um you know everybody should have a shot at it so and it's been the attitude all along and, and it's been great yeah well, it seems to be working out there's always folks in there and you're right the prices are not ridiculous um certainly compared with other uh places you can go shop yeah. for your seafood are there um i mean i know i know there are seasons for different types of fish but other than that do you see trends or um, what, what are people eating right now? Well, that's, that's funny. We're in San Francisco and, you know, the, the Bay Area. And a Bay Area is really centered on two major seasons, mm -hmm. salmon season and crab season. Right. Those are like foremost. And I don't Salmon's just opened. It opened May 1st. I, oh, by the way, yes. I was the first customer to get my <laughs> Wild King salmon the <laughs> other day. Really? <laughs> I walked in there at um, just after your opening. I said, I'm looking for salmon, and they pulled out a hunk. They said, you get the first one. This just came in. Well just done, flown. Judd. Well, yeah. isn't it fantastic right now? Yeah, it was delicious. Uh, I've had it like three times already, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. It's funny, too, because um, I'll go back to your season in a minute, but salmon, yeah. which we're right into the king salmon season, the beginning of the salmon season, the king salmon season, which is right now, um, till roughly the middle of July, the salmon have been eating krill and shrimp 
and uh, cephalopods and things like that. So they're lighter uh, in both the color and the fat, and they, they have this very, very light, pleasant uh, flavor. As we get later in the season, their diet switches over to anchovies and mackerels, and they have a, a more aggressive, a stronger flavor, which I enjoy immensely also, but it's totally different than the salmon you're eating right now. I never knew that. Oh, and it's, I wish you could take a piece, you know, but obviously the time difference. But right. Take a piece and try it in August, and you'll just sit there and think, you know what? He's right. It was a lot lighter back in May. It has a lot more flavor now. Um, you know, it stands up a lot better in August, and it just, but it's fantastic, the, 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 the changes that occurs over the months. That's good information to be armed with when faced with a picky eater, too, who says, you know, oh, I don't like salmon. It's got a fishy or strong right. flavor. Say, well, try it earlier in the season when it's a little lighter. And Well, I, I kind of equate it to beets. You know, uh, beets can have that dirty flavor. But if you get them at the beginning of the season when they're, they're harvesting the beets, it doesn't have that dirty flavor. Yeah, they get kind of the woody as they right. as the the. That's probably a better say? term, huh? Yeah, well, that, that's I don't know. That's the way I've I've approached it before. But I guess I say woody because the stem gets kind of woody as they get older, and the, the flavor does to me too. But I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. So it's just it's it's a natural change that occurs. Um, but that is our first season, and then in October, uh, October fifteenth, we open our local crab season, and uh, that is incredible. That that season is just another engine for our business it really moves it in fact on um, our biggest year uh, days every year are christmas eve where we will sell probably three thousand pounds of crab out of our store up there in that little store in napa in Wait, that one day in one day three thousand pounds of crab yep in how, one day where how do you how do you even store that much crab where does it <laughs> but we have trucks running from you know we have it stored down here in uh, san francisco yeah the live ones we've got the the cooker there in napa and it's running full steam full speed and you know because we're going through so many crabs there no crab is ever more than half a day old oh my you know, goodness. we're cooking it coming down cooling them down and out they go for that christmas dinner that's yeah. that's incredible so is that a round-the-clock operation then Pretty much at that time of year, it is around the clock, which is the uh, only time of year when I drink a martini. Because at the <laughs> end of that run, I called my wife. I said, "Get that martini ready. Yeah. I need one now." Give that man some gin <laughs> quickly. So, so you're down at the docks right now? I am. I am. It uh, been here since about one thirty this morning. Wow, really? One thirty? Yeah. Man, we, you know, it's it, we 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 just have odd hours, uh, and the main reason is, isn't because we have to unload the boats. Although I've already offloaded two boats, one salmon, and uh, another guy doing some swordfish, but um, it's because we have to have the fish processed, which means filleted out, cut into whatever style the restaurant wants, and delivered for their lunch. Oh wow! So we have to be basically at all our restaurants by 10 a.m. Amazing. But it leads for a great life. Again, come 1 o'clock, I'll have my siesta and have the, enjoy the rest of my day. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, Mike Weinberg-Lynn of Osprey Seafood, located on Solano Avenue at Wine Country in North Napa, just off Highway 29. I certainly appreciate you making the time to be oh. on the show. I know you've been up for a long time, <laughs> making sure that the fish is fresh for all of us here in Napa Valley. Well, Judd, it's, it's always great to, to talk to you, and it's great to hear you. And uh, I hope the radio show is being fantastic to you. So far, so good. Appreciate right. your support and your fish. All right, buddy. All right, take care.
Take care, Judd. All right. That's been another Judd's Napa Valley show. Uh, Lauren Mole, would you like to take us out? Sure, Judd. You've been listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show with Vintner Judd Finkelstein. Theme song by Gordon Lustig. Wardrobe by LaRue of Rutherford. Judd's Napa Valley Show is a Gil Amar production. This is Lauren Mole saying so long from the world's wine wonderland. Judd's Napa Valley Show.